नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारबाग पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑलराइट टुडेस डिस्कशन इज टाइटल्ड हिंदूफोबिया इन कनाडा एंड टू हियर टू टॉक अबाउट इट विद मी इज डॉक्टर रागिनी शर्मा रागिनी जी वेलकम थैंक्स अ लॉट फॉर कमिंग नमस्ते सो रागिनी जी बिफोर वी स्टार्ट द डिस्कशन व्हाई डोंट यू टेल एवरीबॉडी अ लिटिल बिट अबाउट योरसेल्फ वेल आई वाज बोर्न इन इंडिया and i've lived in canada for um over 40 years uh with my husband and i have two daughters kalpana and anita hello <laughs> and uh, two grandchildren and um my um work life has been as a social worker and uh just working in the mainstream community in child welfare in housing so you know uh that's my background and in 2016 i completed my phd in the area of yoga and since then i've been a full time uh seva warrior <laughs> for hindu dharma <laughs> all right all right awesome awesome good to hear that so mm-hmm. ragini ji maybe we'll start with this now obviously we are going to cover a lot of topics today which uh, uh today's discussion is not going to be narrowed down to the recent attack on the swami narayan temple which is baps toronto uh but uh, uh we're going to cover a lot of issues that the hindu community faces in canada but i'm going to start with the baps incident itself so before somebody says what 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 happened maybe they were living under the you know a cave or something so i can explain to them so recently what happened was there was a, an incident in uh, in in toronto where outside the swami narayan mandir um swami narayan is one of the sampradayas of the hindu you know of the hindu community and uh, uh, the baps mandir was vandalized basically outside the temple there were specific slogans that were written uh, you know there was on one side of the gate there was hindustan that was spray painted and then on the other side of the gate there was murdabad that was spray painted and um, and then in the central part of the same gate there was written khalistan zindabad and uh, you know this is just one of the cases and why i'm i'm starting with this is um, is that this is emblematic of the kind of challenges the the hindu community faces in canada and this is uh, um and kind of just so that my viewers benefit from what i'm talking about so i'm just going to share a couple of images uh, so that they know what i'm talking about so this is the khalistan zindabad as you see on your screen that was uh, spray painted on the baps toronto mandir and this is the murdabad where uh, this is a direct shot of the video outside the baps shri swami narayan toronto canada mandir and uh, this is kind of uh, 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 as they would say a trend now when it comes to you know attacks on the hindu community centers or uh, sometimes it was going to be uh, a gandhi ji statue that gets vandalized sometimes it's something else sometimes it's something else so maybe we can start with this ragini ji so now you obviously started a petition right um and uh, your petition and i'm going to pull it up on the screen too because it is directly after what happened over here so this petition was about hate crimes against hindus on the rise in canada and uh, you talk about many other issues in this petition itself so now i'm going to hand it over to you and maybe you can explain everything to us 
Oh, thank you, Kushal, for for bringing this topic to the audience because you know we live in Canada, and overall, it, it's such a safe and beautiful country to live in. Um, but and Hindus are, you know, we're very relaxed people. We don't want to make waves. You know, we want to do our job, get our kids to university, become doctors, lawyers, and we avoid talking about this kind of issue. But there comes a point where, you know, things like this happen where, you know, we just can't bear it any longer. And you will see even today, the Swami Narayan Temple, people have, they, their Twitter post was about peace. Let's keep the peace. And that's what has been the tradition of Hindus. You know, we're, we're not complainers. We're just, you know, workers and, and taxpayers and making the country a better place for everyone. So this issue happened. Uh, the, the reason it hurt us deeply is because the Swami Narayan temple is an iconic temple. All temples belong to all of us. They are all our precious uh, places to us, to our hearts. But this temple is a very iconic temple. They have been blood donation during, I think during the COVID, there were uh, the injection sites people could go for vaccination. Their whole uh, community is such a devoted and community uh, devoted to service. And uh, to have this kind of intrusion on that space has been very traumatic. Uh, I know someone who is a very senior volunteer there and I had sent a private message and the word she wrote back to me that we are devastated. So, you know, this really hurt us deep. And also because this is sort of a uh, a tipping point after the last year or two has been many, many incidents of uh, Hindu phobia. Did you want me to mention a few? You, uh, please do, yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think uh, I, I'd like to start with the farmers. Uh, I think that that's how I got involved a lot into this discussion. The farmers protest, do you remember that? Yeah. And um, we had a rally, uh, you know, the community organized a rally in support of farmers and, uh, you know, in India. And they were attacked. They were physically attacked. Altercation, the police, you know, uh, this is one of the issues. The police has not done anything. And that's one of our continued concerns is the police and the politicians are playing politics and uh, avoiding naming the elephant in the room, which is Hinduphobia. Um, so uh, that happened. The farmers' protest happened during that farmers' protest. The 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 time that I got involved was that you know I work with school boards. You know I, I'm an academic. Um, I I want to do education because I think education can bring change, um, and uh, through education we can address these things in a in a calm uh, manner, and so. Uh, when, when the community heard, and we were doing research on what's happening, and parents were coming forward and telling us that in their classrooms with children who are in grade three and four, there were teachers coming in with material that was inappropriate. So they were basically, uh, there were um, uh, lesson plans in which it was mentioned Things like, oh, India is a banana republic. It's a, you know, um, uh, Modi uh, is a fanatic. He's killing off the minorities. 
And, you know, it became uh, uh, the atmosphere where children, uh, parents made a petition that this kind of material was emotionally and psychologically affecting the children. So in the classroom, you're having, because of COVID, you're having online class. And another child is, is uh, announcing publicly that Modi should die, you know, or, uh, you know, making anti-Hindu comments. And that, uh, the kids were crying. Our kids were crying that they felt very uncomfortable. They called their mommy, you know, look what's happening. So the parents, we did a petition about that. So we became, and then I, I think you remember, I think uh, we, we began to educate the school boards that the petition was used to educate the school boards that, listen, we cannot bring this kind of language into the classroom. You know how it is this, uh, Raji Malhotra's new book talks about the, the increase in vocism. Vocism has entered the school system mm -hmm. under the name of uh, social justice education. You know, you have kids walking around the neighborhood carrying, uh, you know, placards these days, you know, and they're being brainwashed. And innocent children are being brainwashed to hate Hindus. And that, that, that's really problematic when it reaches our children and their self-esteem who they are, the identity is attacked. We can't stand back and let that happen. So we have been doing a public education campaign that, you know, those kinds of politics, there's two sides to the politics, the farmers protest. We, can, we are not here to discuss that, but we know there was two sides to it and how it was projected in India was, you know, for an ulterior motive. So we said, yes, you should, you should be free to, uh, discuss any topic, but do you also discuss many other things that are happening across the world? We know against other uh, other traditions, but nobody talks about that. The targeting of Hindus and India, you know, this is academic Hindu phobia is not something new. This has been going on. And, uh, you know, Rajivji talked about, many others have talked about it. This is not something new. So we started to address it at the school board. Um, and then after that, as you know, there were, uh, you know, attacks on Hindu temples. There were 20 uh, plus, 20, some say it's 27 uh, incidents where Hindu temples were attacked. And, you know, what hurt me the most were video images of people wearing shoes, climbing on to the, uh, you know, to the mandaps and, you know, where the uh, altars were snatching jewelry from the DT's ears, uh, you know, and the jewelry from the neck and walking around and, and there were holes made in the walls and there was damage to the property. And the worst part of it was that the police, the politicians, they all just called it vandalism. This is such a disgrace. This is, uh, you know, th this is not excusable at all. The Hindus, a community cannot accept calling such instance. We know that even a little window being broken by, with a stone or any, you know, uh, little graffiti is called uh, suspected, um, so whatever, you know, religious against uh, some religion. But, um, but when it comes to Hindus, you know, they've got their blinders on. You know, the elephant in the room is not being recognized. So I think our efforts is to hold the government, the police accountable. Like they've assigned one person to investigate this incident. 
uh, at Swami Narayan Mandir. One, one constable in the little Twitter. Uh, where's the public outrage against this? I mean, this is a temple that Justin Trudeau went to, to inaugurate it and been there. And, and this is the cowardice, I might call it, the cowardice and the hypocrisy of the government and the police. So we've had these temple break-ins, hardly any, uh, you know, arrests. I think there was some arrests, but there's not been the public recognition. There was the similar graffiti on um, Mahatma Gandhi's statue at Vishnu Mandir. And um, then there have been personal attacks. There was, I think, um, Deepak Punj, he's, um, uh, he's a broadcaster, and he was attacked by two goons and uh, wearing masks. And um, this was after he confronted the mayor of Brampton about uh, 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 a public session he did uh, on Khalistan, supporting Khalistani, uh, some event. So then, and then I think uh, just last yesterday, there was uh, Raman Vasudevan, he's standing for city councillor, I believe. And yeah, he was probably, yes, and he was attacked. And I, I think that be, for me, these are open incidents. For me, my concern as an academic is the generalized anti-Hindu sentiment that is being cultivated by the media and the academia. Uh, you know, there was an instance where there was um, uh, a speaker, a French uh, journalist, uh, uh, I forget his name. He was invited by the Toronto Public Library to give a talk on anti-Modi. Um, the whole talk was an anti-India. And we confronted the Toronto Public Library just as citizens. I said, listen, we're paying the taxes and you're inviting this kind. Of, and the monk school at uh, University of Toronto, regularly they're having talks. And then there's this um, new cultural center uh, two, two years ago. They had a talk. They invited some very rabid Hindu haters that are in the academia uh, in, in Toronto to give talks on how toxic Hinduism is and India is. So there is, uh, there is uh, to, to use uh, Rajivji's new book, Snakes in the Ganga, <laughs> right here in Canada. We have snakes in the Ganga right here in Canada. <laughs> okay, so, you know, we as a community are deeply pained and we're working together. Uh, you know, we have, we have made some gains. I think a lot of work is happening in the background. But uh, we have a lot far uh, to go. And I can talk a little bit more about the work I've done with school boards. Uh, yeah. So I want to get on the school boards. But before we get on to that, I just want to talk about the responses from the different sides uh, of the spectrum in this uh, um, BAPS Toronto attack, because I find it fascinating. So here's uh, Patrick Brown. For people who don't know who Patrick Brown is, Google So Patrick Brown says, very disappointed to hear of the vandalism that occurred at the Bap Swami Narayan Mandir in Toronto. This type of hate has no place in the GTA or Canada. Let's hope those criminals responsible are brought to justice quickly. Then, you know, we go to another member of parliament, uh, a three-time member of parliament now from Napian. Uh, Mr. Chandra Arya. Chandra Arya said, vandalism of Toronto Bapshri Swami Narayan Mandir by Khalist Canadian Khalistani elements, extremists, should be condemned by all. This is not just an isolated event. Canadian Hindu temples have been targeted in the recent past by these kinds of hate crime. Hindu Canadians are legitimately concerned. Uh, Chandra Arya is a member of the Liberal Party of Canada. And uh, then you had uh, Shri Tim 
S. Uppal. Saddened to see the vandalism on Baps Toronto Mandir in Toronto. All Canadians should be able to practice their faith without intimidation or fear. I look forward to visiting my friends at this Mandir again soon. Now, I want to, I, I want to share my thoughts over here. First mm -hmm. of all, Patrick Brown has made this about, uh, I don't know what, vandalism. Um, I, very interestingly, Patrick Brown does not talk about the Khalistani word at all. Like the literal attack is Khalistan Zindabad written, blaring at your face. Nobody can avoid it. And Patrick Brown refuses to talk about it. Now Chandra does and credit where it's due to Chandra Arya. So Chandra is a good man. Chandra Arya is a good, good man. And here's the problem. Chandra Arya belongs to a party which is run by, as I like to call him in a tongue-in-cheek way, Justinder. Justinder did not tweet about it, right? <laughs> he did not tweet about it. There was not even a word spoken about this attack on a very iconic temple. Like for people who do not realize how iconic the Baps Toronto is in terms of its value in the community, like you know, there are other temples too. I'm not saying others are less other, but the Baps Toronto is very famous. Like if even if you go to Toronto, it's one of the places you visit. Like Baps is that famous. Or the Gore Mandir, for people who don't know, the Gore Mandir is also very well known in that area. People used to go there all the time. But Baps Toronto is the very known spot. And it's always, you know, the Baps Toronto attack is just very regular, very common, very, very, very much in sync with what happens. But the one that fascinated me the most was uh, obviously Pierre Polivier too, the Conservative Party leader. He also came out and he openly said thank you to Deputy Conservative Leader Tim Muppel for standing up with the Hindu community against this hateful vandalism. All Canadians must condemn this abuse and stand for the freedom of faith. Now, here's the point. I want to focus on Tim Muppel, though. <laughs> I want to focus on that gentleman here. Now, and why, I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting how, you know, even the condemnation has a sleight of hand here. Now, full record, I know Jagmeet Singh has not uttered a word. I don't expect anything from Hagmeet. And <laughs> these are my words. These are not Raghuniji's words. I don't expect anything from Hagmeet. So I, I have never had any expectations from him. But uh, Justin disappointed. Very disappointing. Very yeah, disappointing. Justin disappointed. Shame on and, Justin. Yeah, Justin disappoints. But, you know, Tim Uppal, look. The photo over here is very interesting how Tim Uppal has shared it, right? He shares the shot of Murdabad. Like, Murdabad to what? What Murdabad? Now, if this is a regular Canadian, right? They may not be of Indian origin. They might be of any other origin. They look at this. Okay, seems someone has spray-painted a temple. And they can go, go on and move on from their life. But it's more than that. It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. And this is where the sleight of hand, as I say, comes. The sleight of hand is what bothers me the most when it comes to these issues. Because when Tim Uppal shared this photo, the sharing of the Murdabad was by design, not by innocence. It is by design. And the reason is that they don't want to talk about, especially Tim Uppal, cannot talk about the elephant in the room, and there is an elephant in this room, in the case that shares, uh, stares Tim Uppal right smack bang in his face. He doesn't want to talk about it, and that's Khalistan. Yeah. Now, Tim Uppal does not, the only person who used the word Khalistan in the tweet in this entire fiasco 
is Chandra Arya. And, and credit where it's due to Chandraji. But the point is, Chandraji belongs to a party that did not even acknowledge this attack happened. Exactly. So, so imagine the plight of the Hindu. The conservative party is the first one to stand up for them. So kudos to Pierre, by the way. And, uh, and let me be very clear and very open. And these are my views. These are not Raginiji's views. So do not attribute what I say to Raginiji. <laughs> if it was not for Pierre, I was not sure too. It may be because of Pierre, this pressure must have gone and you know these things have happened. But the point is, I don't expect Pierre to understand this. Now, Tim Uppal, as a representative of the Indian community, not the Sikh community, Tim Uppal is an Indian too. He's of Indian origin. Tim Uppal should have stared the Khalistani problem at the face, but he conveniently sidelined the Khalistan angle. And he just spoke about some random Murdabad slogan written on the temple. And this is the problem. Mm -hmm. In in Canada, I, I have zero expectations from the NDP. Zero. Oh, <laughs> zero. I don't no, no. expect until that man is the leader of the NDP, that man who, who is an absolute disgrace. And I don't need to do anything to prove that man wrong. Uh, Terry Milevsky, a veteran Canadian journalist, yes. has done enough. Yes. With one interview, Terry exposed him. So mm -hmm. I don't need to do anything or say anything. There have been articles written in the Vancouver Sun about how the Hindu community has been bullied by Khalistanis in Canada. Bullied. I think it was Douglas Todd, if I remember his name correctly. If I have, if I have gotten the name wrong, please get correct me, guys. But there was, I remember uh, this article written um, on uh, on this specific uh, issue, where you know, I and I was surprised that you know that somebody is actually writing about this in the Vancouver Sun, and. Uh, and very interestingly, in the last two years, even Douglas Todd has become very silent on his criticism on, uh, uh, you know, on the Khalistan issue in the last two, two and a half years. Very, very silent. This is not a sly, uh, sly on uh, Douglas Todd. I actually, I, I admire Douglas for whatever work he's done for standing up for the, for the community in general. But, uh, you know, people need to remember that Kim Bolin, who was another journalist from the Vancouver Sun, she was sued by the Khalistanis. And since then, everybody's gone silent in the Vancouver Sun. It's just, I just want to state that on the record over here. So, you know, the, the Hindu community is facing a lot. And why I wanted to talk about the BAPS issue in so much detail before I jump into what is going to be the meat of the discussion is that do not for once you know when we talk about hindu phobia in canada a lot of people will make it about oh this must be some random racist you know uh, white people going around no 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 these are our own people screwing us over you know we may not like this reality but khalistanis are our own people these are Absolutely. our own our own brothers and, and sisters yes these are Absolutely. our own people yeah ye hamare log hai bhaiyo and, and, uh, and I also want to take this opportunity to congratulate uh, Canada on uh, their biggest achievement on the 18th uh, of uh, this month, where uh, they have finally gotten another uh, opportunity for Khalistan in Canada. Because India is not going to happen. So, this is a line. So, Brampton where people are voting for the Khalistan referendum. So I, I congratulate Canada uh, on uh, giving them land. Uh, I think they finally might get something because India said to kuch hone ni wala in Longoka. 
So having said that, now Ragini ji, let's talk about the school system. What are the problems faced by the Hindus in the school system? Well, before we move on to this, I just want to mention, you some made some important points, uh, you know, and and it's really important for us to to move beyond uh, this, just describing what is happening, to have a sense of analysis as to be, uh, we need to start thinking about where is this coming from and and why is it happening? Because from from what I've read and I've seen, you know, this is, uh, you mentioned about intimidation. The other uh, leg of this uh, issue is the incentives. So this is like, we need to fight. We, I mean, I don't want to give you the answer because everybody knows it's been funded group this is money coming in so money and intimidation very old two uh, tools that are used throughout the ages are being used uh, ordinary Sikh brothers and sisters and Punjabis are being bullied like you said and money is pouring into the coffers of the politicians to silence them so both those tools are being used and uh, you know I think you didn't mention so I want to mention that Mr. Punni or whatever his name is from the Six for Justice has been allowed to come to Canada to supervise this whole thing. Can you imagine this man who is well known? I don't want to say too much because, you know, uh, uh, for my own safety, but it, it, it's horrible to think that the Canadian government uh, has allowed uh, a well-known uh, organization that has talked about uh, armed sort of uh, some kind of uh, attempts to intimidate uh, people with, for their cause of Khalistan, right? So these are not just ordinary Sikhs who are organizing themselves is the point I want to make. You know, there's a, that's that, that concern about in, in, intimidation. And the funny thing I thought this morning was that, you know, there was this how many people have voted for during this, uh, you know, we don't know the results yet. But my question to these people will be, what about the silent uh, majority that didn't vote? Just look at their numbers. And then, then let's talk about you people coerce certain number of people to out there. There's a lot of brainwashing going on. You know, I've, uh, I'm have i on an interfaith sort of group that does presentations on interfaith. And I've met beautiful, beautiful sick young people. There was one very lovely uh, Sikh woman who did a presentation on Sikhism. Um, she was, must be in her 20s. And um, she was wearing the traditional clothes with that uh, head. Uh, and she spoke so beautifully, but you could see from her presentation, she knew nothing about the links between Hindu dharm and Sikhism. We are under one, it's a panth of, of, of our Sanatan dharm. And she knew nothing about th that. She had been brainwashed. There's a new generation that has been brainwashed and they're by uh, this idea of cutting off all uh, connection with Sanatan Dharm. And that is, the so sad part is that when you cut a branch off the, the tree of Sanatan Dharm, that branch is, is gonna die. And that's, that's the sadness that I feel for the Sikh uh, you know, the people who are following this, that by delinking from the, the, the tree of Sanatan Dharm, you know, that feeds the, all that beauty uh, comes from that root. 
and the, there's so many different paths, but they're all rooted in that beautiful ancient tradition. And, uh, and she knew nothing about it. And I looked at her and I said, you're so beautiful. I wish you had not been brainwashed. But this is happening to the, the new generation. And that's where the concern that I have is that these are new generation, they, they're not linked to India and they don't know anything about our roots and about our gurus who, who gave their life uh, for the for the Sanatan Dharm. Right. So let's move on to <laughs> yeah. talk. So, yeah. so what exactly happens in the school districts here in Canada? Well, the I can only speak to, about my own experience, and uh, sure. you know, my uh, I have been involved in this anti. The, the, traditionally, it was called anti-racism um, uh, area of of work, and I, you know, even before. Um, I worked for Children's Aid, and I worked for you know um, uh, Toronto Housing and many other organizations. You know, I was an executive director of a uh, of a organization that helped women. So you know, throughout we focused on training on uh, anti racism, and so this uh, idea that because you are brown and you're an immigrant, you are a target of racism is what I used to do when I was uh, before that. So the turning point for me, uh, for you know, in those days I used to, for example. You know, when I worked for Children's Aid, we uh, I was a chair of the one of the branches of Hindu Anti-Racism Committee. But I, uh, you know, we were more um, focused on the Black community, the Indigenous community, because they're overrepresented in the child welfare system. So more children in care, uh, being removed from their homes, uh, not doing well, um, systemically discriminated institutional racism against those communities. That was my focus uh, because I could see it, everybody could see it, and there's a huge amount of work being done on that. I wasn't as focused on Hindu phobia at the time, although in my work, uh, I would come and see incidents where there was a lack of, in those days I used to call it cultural competence. <laughs> so a lack of understanding of, of our culture so, for example, you know, if a worker goes into a, a, a home of, um, of a Hindu family or even it, it was a Pakistani family, a Muslim family, looking at anybody from Indian subcontinent, please note, I do not use the word South Asian. <laughs> so anybody from the Indian subcontinent, uh, you know, for example, you know, I got a case where I was a family service worker at the time where there was a concern about the mother not being attentive uh, to her her little boy he was like four or maybe he was five or six and to a, a, a small baby and what i i saw was that she would just sit in a chair and watch her kids play uh you know in the canadian context it was expected that you'd be on the floor with blocks and you'd be, and you know uh and they saw that as a problem but when i went there i didn't have i didn't see that as a problem and they said, oh, there's not enough food in the house. And I opened the cupboard. There was bag of rice. There's atta. There's dal. Uh, you know, fridge is empty. Who cares? Because she's making her roti and atta. And, you know, the kids look fine. So, you know, there was this, uh, this preconception about if you are a good parent, you'd be sitting on the floor playing with them and doing all that stuff. But she was content to just sit and watch them. The kids were thriving. The kids were great. 
you know, they were running around and they were happy. So that is where I was coming from. I was not really focused on Hindu phobia. I was just looking at it as, okay, they need to understand that the cultures are different. You know, kids sleep in our bed. It's not, you know, it's not an incest issue if the kids are sleeping in the bed with the father, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. That's how, what they do. <laughs> so many issues about food and nutrition. And so I looked at it as cultural competency. But after, you know, I left Children's Aid, I did my PhD in, in 2016. There's a whole story. I finished my PhD in 2016 on, on yoga and all. During that time of my education, that's when I the penny dropped. And I was able to connect what has happened to the indigenous people all across the world, including Canada, to our own experience as indigenous people. Because Hindus are indigenous people. We have had the same colonizing, the attempt of genocide, cultural um, genocide, physical, uh, you know, to wipe out our uh, identity as Hindus. And, um, and basically, you know, between the evangelicals and the Islamists, you know, and the colonizers, you know, uh, them working together, they still work together in India and here, right? So, so that was became, I mean, the penny dropped. Uh, about the indigeneity, the issue is of us being uh, non-Abrahamic religions. And the root of the hatred or mistrust, or let's put it, uh, you know, um, one of the things that I want to tell the public here is, um, is an education piece, which is really valuable for me, is to understand that, uh, and this is happening even today, a lot of people who are working in uh, in this field or trying to address Hindu phobia, they don't have a theoretical frame on where to to have an understanding of where it's coming from. So that's really important. So one of the things I wanted to mention here was that in order to justify these acts and and the reason behind a lot of silence about it is because deep down in their DNA, there is a hatred for Hindu. It could be uh, a, a mistrust or just seeing us as savages, uncivilized, you know, you know, these people are just ignorant. And that is a platform that is used to keep us uh, down or to silence us or to convert us into something else. So that, that, how does that manifest in our in our day-to-day -day life is how uh, that we experience it so if you might go to work you might be asked you know um like i was asked when i was here in 1979 i worked for the td bank and was employed you know people were asked like you know why do you wear the nose ring you know i actually had to take it off i was you know they were after me uh, i used to have a beautiful nose ring that my grandmother's belonged to my grandmother's and i actually ended up taking it off because I was so harassed by people commenting on wearing a nose ring. Now, of course, everybody wears it. It's a fashion statement, but in those days it wasn't. And then asked, you know, why do you, people are, Hindus are asked, well, like, why do you, uh, one woman asked me, you know, why do you burn your dead? That's so uh, cruel and, you know, insensitive or whatever word she used. But, you know, why we have so many gods, why we do this. So there is that where does that come from? It's the deep down mistrust and hatred 
or misunderstanding. I would call it actually it's a misunderstanding. So that's why I focus on education. But from them, they have this ingrained in them. Uh, like my children were told, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. And I imagine little children, even today, they go around the schoolyard playing and somebody randomly comes up to you and say, you're going to go to hell because you, you don't believe in Jesus. This is happening today. The kids, the parents are telling us. So the so it's really important to understand that there is this ingrain, and we know the history of Canada. The, the, historically, Canada was a whites-only country, right? So even though we were part of the Commonwealth, so-called, you know, under the British Raj, you know, we couldn't come here, uh, another colony, because, you know, of course, you know, we were Hindu. As, as uh, you know, in the 1800s, Hindus were turned away. We know the, uh, the, um, uh, the ship was sent back. So there is deep-seated uh, misunderstanding, mistrust, um, um, hatred towards our faith. And that's, that comes out in our policies, in our institutions, and police, I mean, there is, there is this, we call it systematic racism, institutional racism. So even if you work for the police, you have to follow their laws, and their laws are racist. You know, so our mandirs, you won't find them downtown. They're all on the outside. Because when we apply for a mandir status, we will have to ask, where will they park? Where will they, you know, they come up with these important um, issues to deny us having a temple downtown because all the Christian temples are already here. So you see how systematically we are pushed to the fringes. Our temples are cannot be in downtown where we can be part of the mainstream. We have to be in little warehouses. But uh, if you want to have a temple downtown, even if you have the money, they're going to come up with all these hoops you have to jump through, whereas all the churches that are there, you can park on the street, but that's not a problem. So you see the institutional racism, the systemic racism is part of the culture. And it's the reason why uh, Hindus were not allowed to come here until, uh, the, you know, most people came in the 70s, right? They started to come in the 70s when they started to need labor, right? So the second generation, uh, third generation now, children who are attending the schools they had to put up with this institutional racism. So let me start with the first one. The first, uh, you know, I became engaged with the Toronto District School Board. I'm currently the co-chair of the, the committee for Hindu Heritage Month. In 2016, the government of Ontario declared November as Hindu Heritage Month. And soon after, um, you know, we began to organize. There were many, many people who, who were responsible for that. They did a good job of that. So now... But look at this. We have Hindu Heritage Month in, in, in November, but, you know, we as a community haven't really organized ourselves to go and ask for a good chunk of money to, to support the education and celebration of Hindu Heritage Month in Ontario. So we're organized about that. And a lot of the money that has been accessed has been for the samosas and for, for chai and, and for little Bollywood, um, some dancing. Good. Very good programs. I don't want to decry them because, you know, the community said, but we're not organized. We haven't put our heads together to address the systemic issue. And that's why, you know, I want to talk about, I did this um, presentation and, and a letter 
to the Justice Committee, uh, Human Rights Committee, to recognize Hinduphobia. Because uh, in the academia, we have no uh, allies. Academic mm -hmm. Hinduphobia, there is, um, uh, you know, we can, there's no professor. There actually is maybe one or two, but they're working in engineering or finance. So there is no Hindu professor in the liberal arts that can champion a cause. Isn't that absolutely shameful? Where have we gone wrong? So, you know, uh, my Gurudev Shishir Vishankar always says, you know, when you point a finger at someone, three are pointing towards us. So I think, Kushal, you always make that point that we can point fingers at others, but we really need to look at what we're doing. So that brings me to the work that I'm doing in the school board. So the Toronto District School Board, uh, we've started this process of celebrating Hindu Heritage Month. I want to tell you about two very interesting things related to Hinduphobia. Sure. So one was um, uh, on um, uh, Sri Ram and the other one is, is on our swastik. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to introduce the swastik. As you know, there has been a movement to declare swastika as a you know, hate symbol and there was a petition about that. And I think that Bill 229 or whatever, I think it's probably had a slow death or whatever because they didn't have support for it. But uh, early on, we I called the trustee um, and I said, listen, how do we get the swastik into our schools to claim it as, as, a whole, as our sacred symbol? And, um, you know, uh, we thought, you know, in the traditional Hindu way, we don't like to be in people's faces and, and mm. you know, we like to do it in a peaceful way. Uh, way, uh, communication and explanation and education. So that's the route we have taken. Um, so uh, last year, we put together a toolkit. Uh, we have Hindu Heritage, in, Heritage Month during which we do, uh, there's a committee made up of, of teachers and educators. They have a senior management representative and there's community people like me and so many others. And we plan the events. And uh, one of the things we did last year um, was to, prepare a toolkit. It's a physical box, like a banker's box, and it has items in it like diyas, uh, puja thali, musical instruments. And then we wrote a, a book to accompany that to explain what's in it, right? So Sri Yantra is there. So beautiful things. We have a, we have a, a thing on, on, on the bindi as, um, uh, you know, feminine energy as uh, Shakti. So we were working on that. And in the, two, in the puja kit, we had the dia and all of that. And I, I put the, the swastik in there, a photo of the, I, I hand drew the Sanskrit uh, um, in red and with the four dots. And I, I submitted that document as part of the document, submitted that. Of course, I got a, we got a pushback. And they said, no, 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 we can't put the swastik in this toolkit, uh, in your booklet, because this is uh, you know, problematic. Some community will be offended. And, you know, I sent uh, them the information that Kohna has a beautiful package on explaining it, and we sent it, and they accepted it. So this year in November, this toolkit will go out, a physical box, and it has the swastik, an explanation. But it doesn't go into the politics of it. It's like three lines. Swastik is a uh, symbol for well-being. So we have the swastik out in a very non-controversial manner because this is the way an educative way. We don't want to 
uh, you know, be in anybody's face. We want to do our education in a calm, peaceful way. So that's it. The other issue was more, um, um, more open uh, discussion was about Sri Ram. Last year, we chose uh, our theme. Every year, we have to choose a, a theme. This year, our theme is Bhumi Devi, our sacred mother earth. Uh, last year, we chose uh, the year before we had tried to choose this theme of Sri Ram. But we didn't get it through. But last year we got it through. Sri Ram. And we wanted to have our tagline as Jai Sri Ram. And you should have seen the response. Absolutely no. We were, we had such bad feedback. The teacher, I don't know where it came from, but they said, oh, this is a slogan for politics. And those who brought down the masjid, you know, the Babri Masjid, and it, it's like a hate speech. And we were like, wow. Jeshiram is a hate just, speech. Just, just one question here. Do, yeah. do they not allow Allahu Akbar to? I don't know if they allow it as a as a slogan in, in the thing. I mean, they say it all the time in their mosques and they greet each other. But we were told, <laughs> it's a good question, <laughs> but we were told Jeshiram is a hate speech. Can you believe it? We were told, and you know what? We didn't want to fight it. We didn't want the committee and the, our work to be, how shall I say, um, sidelined in any way. You know, we didn't want any cloud over our work. So we agreed to not use Jai Shri Ram, but we had Shri Ram, an epitome of love, uh, peace, and something like that. We had epitome of love um, and, and service. So we use that tagline instead of Jai Ram. So, you know, the Hindu phobia is, is very real. Um, and, and of course, we're continuing our work. And, and then uh, we work with the Peel District School Board. There's a very good my uh, people working. You know, Sangeeta Ayer did a wonderful job working with Peel School Board. And, uh, you know, we provided them with material. And uh, they were really doing nothing. And we had to start from scratch. The interesting story, of course, is with the Durham District School Board. There, we've had a huge pushback. So we had emails and things, uh, a huge process with some parents, uh, Durham District's parents. Um, and uh, we were told by two senior people uh, of the District School Board that there is no Hinduphobia. Right after three parents had described how the children were facing discrimination based on their on their tradition, you know, uh, asking about you're going to go to hell or whatever. At first, to, to, there were some students trying to convert other students right in the classroom. You can become this if you say these words and um, all kinds of comments about the, the bindi and all the other things, you know, how many gods and all of that. So we were giving examples of bullying in the classroom based on our culture. And this person told us point blank, he said, we have not received a single report of Hindu phobia. So what we understood from that conversation was that if any Hindu parent went to the teacher or principal and said, my child is being bullied because of his you know, Hindu tradition, anything, clothes or whatever, um, they would said, oh, it's not a children don't understand. They just, you know, they're just being rude. We don't have, you know, it was never labeled. So what we've realized is 
that unless you label something, you're not at the table. You're not, you don't have a seat at the table. You know, there's so much discussion about, uh, oh, don't use the word Hindu phobia, you know, whatever. Well, if we don't use it, first of all, we'll, we'll have no seat at the table. We'll have no opportunity to address it. So if you don't name something, how do you, how do you challenge it? How do you educate people? You know, uh, how do you tell them that if, if that, that uh, you know, uh, swastika is not a hate symbol? How do you tell them if you talk of caste that you're just, uh, you know, it's a caste bomb. It's a way to shame Hindus. How do you tell them that, you know, um, um, the historical, um, the, about the description of the deities, anything, making fun of, you know, you're this recently we had this uh, woman who, showed uh, Makali as, you know, smoking and all that. You know, how do you protest about it? Oh, everything is allowed in Hinduism. You know, oh, she's... So it's easy to dismiss everything that our concerns are. But we know other traditions, you can't say a word. But Hindus are fair game to say anything. So we need a seat at the table. If we don't call it out, we don't get, get to say anything. We don't get funding. We don't get to train about Hindu phobia. We have no say. Uh, I also mentioned, um, do you have any questions? I don't want to go on and on. No, 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 please go on and on. It's all <laughs> about you. It's not about me. I'll ask the <laughs> questions. Don't worry about it. But, I, want but to, I, it. I want to tell you a very, very um, important thing that has happened. I think we are all aware of what's happening in the U.S., you know, about the caste, how in California caste is now something that has been added to the policy on, uh, on discrimination. So it's been added as a term. And there's been a huge educational campaign by Half and Kona and all that to say how problematic this is, how, uh, you know, this is, it basically is racism. It's, it's actually Hinduphobia, um, you know, dropping. Can you imagine Hindu kids going to schools and being asked to name their caste and the, and the situation where a Hindu professor can be charged with with uh, discrimination by a student who's from a different caste to say, oh, you're this caste, and you gave me a low mark because of my caste. You know how, I mean, this, this is the situation we're in that students are faced with. And, and there's, you know, there's a huge movement about not celebrating Holi and Diwali because these are all casteist, Brahmins-controlled uh, events. So, I mean, this is the kind of nonsense. And it's coming to Canada. Last two years, the Peel Children's Aid Society, please listen mm -hmm. to this, Children's okay. Aid Society. Just for context, Peel is one of the biggest districts in, that's in, right, that's right. in the state of Ontario. Yeah, Peel, Peel Children's Aid Society for two years has had a Dalit Awareness Month. I saw that on the internet and I, I contacted the person in charge there in the diversity and inclusion. It's a department that takes care of it and who, who, who hosted this event. And I saw a post on the internet and the person who did that session, um, Professor Jangam, he's a well-known Hinduphobe. This is the man who prevented uh, Professor Paranjapri from uh, making a speech or a presentation at Carlton because he was perceived to be uh, speaking on behalf of Hindus or, you know. So this man has made a presentation and 
I, we and the Hindu community here in Toronto heard his presentation at the Noor Cultural Center. This is an Islamic uh, center where they have namaz and on the top floor, they have a, a community center. That's, and so we had had a huge uh, protest. I probably sent like 20 emails imploring them that in your religious place, please don't have a Hindu phobic event. Have someone speak from the other side too. But that was, they had professor from Monk and this Carlton professor who, and other, they spewed hatred against India and Hindus. This guy even went to the extent to say that Ramayan is, there's no such thing as even a Ramayan because there's so many versions of it. Nobody knows which is it. There's a Dalit Ramayan. And so he was, you know, to that extent, this is what he said. Uh, at the Nur. Would that person say if there were different translations of the Quran, there are different versions of the Quran too? Uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, you go there, <laughs> you know. But but the point is that he, these this person who is openly Hindu phobic, he he was invited to present to the staff of Peel Children's Aid on Dalit awareness. You can just imagine the hatred. And then we, so we asked this person, can you give us a transcript of what he said? Because it was on your website and it's gone. So, so I mean, it was public. I mean, we're taxpayers. And the Children's Aid uh, Society is funded by Ontario taxes. We have a right to that information. We were said no. This year, even before April, in November, December, we were asking them, are you going to do this again? Who is coming? Can we make a presentation? Because our Dalit brothers and sisters, uh, whatever's happened to them, we want that, you know, we want, there's no such thing happening here. You know, we support the Dalit cause. So we are our brothers and sisters. Can we make a presentation to present the counter argument that Professor Jangam has, you know, his anti-Brahmanic and all that uh, hate that he spews? But we were we were said no. They have a right to say what they have to. And this year they had uh, Tenmoza, you know Tenmoza, you know her. She presented, um, um, and we asked again, can we have a transcript of what she presented? And they said no. This is private. So we have to pursue this. We are pursuing this, and um, and and point blank told there is no Hindu phobia. So we asked them. Do you have a Dalit uh, uh, staff? Do you have any Dalit clients? You've never done anything on Hindu phobia, yet you've done so much on, um, uh, you've had these major events on, uh, and they said, no, we have no Dalit uh, staff. We have no Dalit clients and uh, they have a right to present. So I said, okay, <laughs> you know, these people are position of power. and. And this, this is the challenge for us. There are people, the staff that are behind, I don't want to name them, but we know who's pulling the strings. There are people behind them who have positioned themselves as their right hand, third hand, whatever, and they're spewing this hatred. Uh, can you just imagine you work for this agency in protecting Hindu, all families, you go to a Hindu home with that mindset that Hindus are responsible. And you know, like Rajiv Malhotra's new book has come out on snakes on the Ganga. And one of the chapters in is how problematic it is to, to conflate 
caste with race. And this is what these people do. They conflate race with caste. So in their presentations, what they say is just like the blacks were made slaves and, and they are being discriminated against, just like that, the Dalits. So this conflation is illogical. Our histories are completely different. Not to say that, you know, the Dalits issue is not to be addressed. Of course it has to be. But this this way of ganging up and misrepresenting what has happened historically and what, is, is the way of creating a these uh, alliances that are artificial. You know, Hindus are the ones who have been persecuted for, for 1,000, 1,500 years. We are the ones, the indigenous people who have had faced numerous genocides. But then we are this artificially placed, we are like uh, against somehow that we're oppressing the, uh, the blacks. So that kind of uh, strategy is being used. So, you know, our effort is to work on many different levels. Um, like I said, you know, not just school boards, but uh, our effort is to do this educational campaign in, in all government institutions, including hospitals. And uh, so I'm just a drop in the bucket, little tiny. Uh, thank you for listening, you know. I don't know if you have any questions. Yeah, I do. A, so, so yeah. I, I, I do have a few comments over here. Yeah. So uh, first of all, on the issue of caste, obviously my views on this are slightly different from the diaspora. I have always said that the diaspora way of dealing with the, um, uh, the caste issue, in my view, in a wrong way. I think there is a lot of denialism in the diaspora on the caste issue. Mm -hmm. uh, do I blame them for that? No. I don't blame them for that because they just came here and their kids who are second generation Hindus literally have zero caste consciousness. Yeah. As someone who's married to a second generation person of Indian origin, I, I can vouch for that, that they don't understand caste at a conceptual level. But then it, it is fine up to there. But what happens after that is where my problem starts. And I've been very open about this. You know my views too. We've spoken offline about it. But I think it's very important that I put this on the record. I think what I find very interesting is would the Noor Cultural Center allow me to make a presentation where I invite a Pashmanda Muslim representative and I talk about casteism in Islam in India. Would they allow me to do that? No. <laughs> it's or, a rhetorical or, question, of course. <laughs> or or it, it, what, if I, if I said the Noor Center to talk about Jat supremacy and how the Khalistan movement is all about the Jats. Yeah. You know, there are other castes in Sikhism too. You know, there are Ravidasyas, Ramgadiyas, uh, and um, there is rampant casteism in Punjab in the Sikh community. There are separate Gurdwaras. Uh, if people do not know, I have the entire list of Gurdwaras based on caste in Ontario. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I have. Um, yep. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting that casteism exists in every religion. What 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 baffles me is that it has been made into this unique Hydra monster as if only the Hindus came up with this system. Nobody else did. And even if somebody else practices this, it is the latent Hinduness inside their system. No, it's not the latent Hinduness inside the system. Hierarchies are universal. Absolutely. Human beings always had hierarchical systems. Post-agricultural societies tend to have hierarchies. Uh, now, my defense, this is not my defense. I am very clear that 
you know, whether you want to call it Jati Varna, whether you want to call it caste, I have been very open about it. I want the annihilation of that system. I have said it many times on my podcast. I have said it many times on other places where I've been interviewed. I want, I hate this system. I, I have not even hidden it. I hate it and I want it annihilated. But at the same time, I will not let the Hindu community being made into this monster, which yeah. they're not. It's yeah. the second generation Hindus don't even know what their caste is. They could care less about their caste. Exactly. They're just in the, the their life and their connection to India or an average second generation or third generation Hindu that is raised in North America, their average interaction is maybe just the parents telling him Diwali, just go bow down to the <laughs> idol. Uh, watching some Bollywood. I'm being very open here. Watching yeah. some Bollywood, doing some dances and dressing up in Indian clothes on traditional days. That's yeah. about it. Absolutely. That, 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 the, the Hinduism is always maintained in these areas by the first generation Hindus by and large. I'm not saying all second generations are like that. There are many people who are very, very devout Hindus. So please don't get me wrong. But by and large, Hinduism in North America is maintained by first generation Hindus because 80% yes. of the Hindus in North America are first generation. They come from India and they live there. And this, this ratio has been maintained pretty much at 80-20 ratio. And what is interesting is, is that all these diversity, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, this is the famous word uh, that is being used these days by yeah. all and sundry, diversity, mm -hmm. equity, inclusion. Yeah. But it's not really diversity of thought. It's just diversity of skin color. <laughs> it's like people yeah. who look different but think the same way. Mm. They all think the same way. And that's not really diversity, in my opinion. But having said that, what I want to understand is, and this is where... You know, I'm going to take the audience questions also, but I, I have one question. And I want to... Now, you'll be like, Kushal, why do you come in community? Ke upar? But I come. I mean, what the hell is the community doing? I don't know how else to ask. It's like, what is the community? It's true. We are very terrible at it. We have done horribly. It's shame on us. This is, you know, what to say. I mean, they are... I think the Hindu community is very well, how should I say, intentioned, but they're very focused on their day-to-day, -day, making money, getting the children to university and things. And when their child comes home with a homework in uh, on caste, they don't go to the school and complain. So all the kids are coming home with this, uh, they're being taught in school, uh, when they take uh, a class on, on religions of India, first thing they learn is the Hindus have the caste system and they have the, the whole thing, the triangle with the Brahmins on top and the outcasts. And, and they come in here, the Hindus have, and they don't question it. They don't say, no, no, we don't have this as part of our you know religion. It, it's, it's, it's a so social issue. It's not a religious issue. None of the, the, the our religious texts don't teach uh, the caste, it was uh, Jati and Varna, how it was conceived was different. It's a social issue and issues of, of class and, and, and this is in all cultures, but they never talk about, like you said, none of the other uh, class systems and, and discrimination that is in all traditions is ever spoken of. Only the Hindu caste system is taught in the school. And that has been my concern. Uh, and this is um, that, how come only Hindus are targeted? And it's like, the Hindu phobia in the academia is over the rock. 
I mean, all they talk about is drop the caste bomb and make the Hindus feel this small. This is the way to silence Hindus. And that's why a lot of our children, um, and this is something we explained to the school boards, is they said, oh, there's no issue of Hindu phobia. Hindu children excel in school. And, uh, you know, they're not like the blacks or the indigenous people struggling in school and not going to universities. Your kids do well. So what's this Hindu phobia? I mean, they just shake their head. And I said, no, the point is that even even despite despite the Hindu phobia, they have the huge parental support and a community tradition of upholding uh, education as a very important aspect of, uh, you know, uh, of, of, of life. And that's why they're doing well, because that's a, you know, that's the focus of the Indian, Indian parents. And uh, they, they couldn't understand this. And I gave them the example, you know, for Hindu Heritage Month, every year I contact, we, one year we made a significant effort to contact people, uh, see if we could have like a, a booklet on, on important Hindus in science, in math and everything, in STEM and uh, other areas. Do you know, I contacted some really amazing people uh, who were mathematicians and young people. And did you know what they said? No, no, no. We can't be on a list of Hindus. So this internalized inferiority complex or hatred for your own tradition that or that knowing that if you call yourself a Hindu, you will be discriminated against. They know that. So this is a deep, deep shame that's been instilled in our kids in school that they don't want to be. There is no Hindu organization for doctors. There's a Hindu school, school council starting now. But there is a huge fear among Hindu students that if we assert our Hinduness, you know, we will be discriminated or seen as casteist or that we discriminate against other. This is the burden that our students, they should be proud. The Hindu, Hindu civilization has given so much to the whole world from every field. The whole of the Western civilization is, is currently resting on the, uh, on the shoulders of Hindu civilization. I have to explain that because I think it's a very huge statement to make. This is something I, I learned in school when I was doing my PhD. There's a very famous um, uh, writer, a Jewish writer, her name was Hannah Arendt. She's very famous and there's others in her school of thought. And what happened was that after World War II, there was a huge um, gap or void in the Western uh, civilization. Hannah Arendt talks about the death of tradition death of tradition in the West after the Second World War. They looked at themselves and they thought, we have achieved so much, but then we did this. Our common person on the street, instead of protecting their brothers and sisters who were Jewish, who were their neighbors, who they sat down and had lunch and, and celebrated birthdays, that they turned them over to the Gestapo. What kind of tradition is this? And there was a huge soul searching. And that's when they discovered the Hindu idea that the Atma is not the body and not the mind. 
that there's something such as a witness. And, uh, you know, in the yoga tradition, um, there's a whole school of Indology uh, started by, um, uh, by people who studied yoga. And this is what they realized is that there is a separation between the atma and the body and the mind. And that there's a witness. So that was a huge, and that's when, you know, all this uh, area of research started on mind, mindfulness, on, uh, you know, famous, famous people began to talk about uh, understanding the layers of existence. And, uh, you know, I can, all kinds of names, but that's not important. The point is that this whole idea of spirituality, Spirituality doesn't exist in, in, uh, in, in the Abrahamic religions. There's no such thing as spirituality. You know, spirituality comes, but you know, everybody now is talking about spirituality. Spirit, the idea of spirit as distinct from the body and mind is as a Hindu idea. It's a huge gift to the world. And uh, many other fields, of course, we know in science, medicine, Ayurveda, yoga, everything is there. But this is, um, so what, the, the, what they have faced is the, the loss of tradition. And what they're trying to do now to Hindu tradition, and Rajiv Malhotra talks about, is to kill our tradition. This is what they're attacking. They want to use caste and all this, you know, uh, you know the things that, that are the negatives to kill this beautiful tradition and to make us feel shame. So in, in the Hindus have maintained, despite thousand years of, of colonial rule and Islamic and whatever, we have maintained that tradition of spirituality. Uh, I mean, spirituality is, a, is not the right word. It's adhyatmic vidya, you know, and it, it's, it's not, it's a Sanskrit non-translatable, but in order to communicate, sometimes we have to use these words. Right. So this is the huge wealth. You know, how many people in the world today are meditating? You know, this whole thing about mindfulness is a sham. You know, mindfulness takes you to the door, you know, just becoming aware of your body, mind. I mean, that just takes you to the doorstep of meditation. But it's good that it's happening and people are being aware. I want to give you a really interesting um, uh, understanding. We were doing this uh, a program on... Um, from data living, we have a program for students, for young kids in, in a school. And we face a huge pushback because, again, the negativity that's been attached to Hinduism, there's Hindu phobia. Because of Hindu phobia, we've had a tough time bringing yoga and meditation into schools. They're okay with letting mindfulness, which is, which is like a, a very poor photocopy, uh, you know, <laughs> of, of what we, we offer. But they're welcome. But authentic yoga and meditation is being blocked. You know, because of course, if the mind is empty, devils could come in. I mean, this kind of weird thinking. I remember we were doing this program in one of the schools. It was a pilot. It didn't go very far because of Hinduphobia. And uh, there was a, a very Christian uh, Orthodox um, parent who didn't give permission for her daughter to do the meditation part because her, uh, she said, you know, they believe that an empty mind can be, uh, can be taken over by Satan. So, you know, if you meditate, your mind is empty, it could get taken over. So she said no. But what the, the, what the, the funny part was that her daughter loved it. She just loved it. 
little hints of it that happened. And, and, and then what we did was we invited the parents to come in and gave them an intro talk as to what is, you know, pranayam and meditation and, you know, bhastrika and how, you know, just being silent for a little while helps the, calm down and become aware of your body, emotions, sensations. And the mother, the woman looked at her and said, wow, this is beautiful. Please do teach my daughter this. You know, so she, her daughter was able to participate in learning. But, you know, on an institutional system, systemic level, we are being blocked. We are being blocked. Mindfulness can come in. Yoga can come in. In California, you cannot use, you have to call it crisscross uh, uh, applesauce. If you sit in, in Padmasan, it's called crisscross applesauce. The, you know, the California um, uh, um, judgment was that you cannot use the Sanskrit words, you cannot use om. So this is what we face. We face digestion, as Rajivjis call it, you know. They want all the wealth of Hindu dharma, all our beauty and, and things, and put a different name on it and make it part of Western universalism. That, oh, we don't need yoga. We don't need everything. We already have it as part of our own. We have mindfulness. We have whatever. Uh, the latest tradition is to delink yoga and meditation from its roots and make it as, um, uh, as some their own discovery. Right? So this is what's happening. Yeah, but honestly, <laughs> I think that that this is my opinion. And I mean, I understand where Rajiji comes from. I think it's not just Hindu phobia. It's just the general discomfort with paganism inside the Abrahamic discourse and they think Hindus are pagan and they're the, the only good pagan is a dead pagan I'd like to say that and um, they're just very uncomfortable with an alive pagan that <laughs> I mean, that that's uh, it, well, it, it, it is what it is well, so, then, I mean but it's uh, I think the well, onus but, is on the community to educate them not not the other way around well you know we can educate as much as you can but the leadership of of uh, you know for example the Pope has is on record I have it in my dissertation, uh, a quote from the Pope. You know, the Pope said, you can do as much yoga as you want. Uh, but until you believe in Jesus, uh, you're going to go to hell. I mean, he said that, that, you know, in so, you know, institutionally, there is no support. And like I've told to you, it's internalized. The message that this kind of practice is problematic has been internalized. So there is... Hindu phobia, racism, whatever you want to call it, you know, I don't want to get caught, but Hindu phobia is a proper word. I think we should use it. Uh, I, I want to mention this issue. Recently, I was listening to a talk two, three days ago by some international group. Uh, with this uh, Rupnath Ji was there, Panditji Rupnath Ji, and uh, Jayaji Bansal from, um, uh, from the US, you know, from, um, and and they were actually complaining. Uh, they actually got together with international representative of other faiths to, to denounce the use of the word Hindu phobia. And they claim that there is, it's not Hindu phobia. Uh, JG wants to use another term, Hindumisia or Hindu Dwesha. And, and this is where diversity of thinking has become a problem for us because guess what? We can't even agree to a term. <laughs> How are we going to address it as a community? This yeah, but that's issue. fine. I mean, I, I think uh, it's not like you know everybody agrees with the term Islamophobia, in my opinion. But it's in, look, look community. we may not agree with it, but institutionally, they are getting so much money 
and voice and seat at the table because they have one term that they've agreed to use. You may disagree, but we have to use something. We can't go to a, suppose I have to go to the Standing Committee on race, on uh, Human Rights and Justice and make a presentation. So we have to give it a title, right? So am I going to say, uh, you know, a presentation on Hindu phobia, aka, um, you know, uh, anti-Hindu sentiment, aka um, uh, Hindu Mesia or, or Hindu Dwesha, aka, I mean, come on. <laughs> can we just agree to one term so that we can continue with the real work, which is on the education of it, you know, it, it's just, you know, it's a waste of time to argue about the term. I think we need to put our heads together and how we're going to address it at the root, educate people. But I think that's only one point. I really want to make this very important point here before I maybe you close the program. I want to say each and every Hindu can do something on this by their, in their own life. You know, I've met recently, uh, I don't know where I was, um, there was something and, and, and he was talking how he felt very comfortable with Hindus because he has Hindu friends. And, and that interaction that we can have in our daily lives. So Hindu parents going into their schools on the before Diwali and saying, can we can we set up a table or a display for for a Diwali? Can we do a Saraswati Puja? You can go to your classroom and tell a story uh, about Diwali. So each one of us, you can talk about it in your school. Everybody has inclusion and equity departments at their workplace. Go and make a presentation, share some uh, information. So I think this waiting for someone to do it or top down is is I think for Hindu community is limited as far as I can see, because we're not organized. We don't have the funding. We don't have, there's not a single organization that, I mean, I've just started an organization. I want to introduce it. It's called COHI, Canadian Organization for Hindu Heritage Education. We just launched mm -hmm. it and please send us your blessings. And uh, we're gonna be focused on education, but that's still working with boards, police, all, all kinds of government institutions, we want to do the top down. But the real effect that can happen is for Hindus to learn and speak up. When something anti-Hindu is said, please speak up. And there's resources, we can find them on our website and so many other people are doing this wonderful job. But we need parents to go into school this Hindu Heritage Month and say, hey, I'm a Hindu, can I, can I tell a story? Uh, can I talk? show you something about my tradition? Can I uh, decorate the bulletin board? Can I put some diyas? Give a little present to the principal with a diya and say, happy Diwali, you know? So that's where I think the grassroots is most powerful. If we can not feel ashamed, if anybody says caste, just be able to say, no, no, that's not part of our religion. It's a social issue. And, and this kind of discrimination happens in all traditions. Let's not join it with Hinduism. So we need to know how to speak. So I really hope that people who are listening, who are Canadians, who will take a concrete step in education, um, towards education and lovingly, you know, Hindus, we are, you know, our traditions of um, seeing the guest as God. I mean, these are beautiful things and we practice it daily, but we don't label it as Hindus. We should. 
you know, Atiti Devo Bhava. We should start using these terms. And, you know, so I encourage all the Hindus who are listening to go out there and, and uh, spread the, like Rajivji says, you know, our good news is that we were born divine. We don't need a savior. You know, that's, <laughs> if somebody comes to your door, tell them, no, 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 don't worry. You know, we're born divine. We don't need a savior. You know, we have a direct connection. <laughs> so we got to have humor. We got to, we got to learn how to speak and speak up. Or to use the late great Christopher Hitchens lines that uh, the Christian heaven sounds a lot like celestial North Korea. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, uh, there were a few questions. I think uh, I think you've answered this question. Somebody had asked, what is the long-term strategic objective? This is common throughout the English-speaking countries. This person is from Ireland. What are the proposed short and long-term solutions proposals? I think Ragini Ji has already answered that. Uh, this is more of a comment from a, a real patriotic Sikh uh, who has said that it disheartens me as an Indian Sikh living in New York City what these seditionists have been, been doing or are doing, what patriotic Sikhs like us can do to curb the Khalistani narrative. Well, stand up for your own Sikhi, first of all. <laughs> stand up for your own Sikhi and uh, stop patronizing Gurdwaras that indulge in all these things. If you have Gurdwara committee meetings and uh, committee voting patterns, vote against the Khalistanis. It's very simple. But I know it's harder being a Sikh and I think the Hindu community has to be very sympathetic to the Khalistani uh, problem. Mm -hmm. Because uh, let me tell you, if you are a Sikh who is like this person who has uh, asked this question, uh, you're going to be bullied by the Sikh, uh, the Khalistani element inside the community itself. And I think the Hindus need to be more sympathetic to that. And uh, I don't understand this question, like what turned you away from anti-racism is a question asked by someone. I don't even understand what that is. Yeah, so like I said, um, somebody... Uh, had mentioned this so before we wrap everything up uh are there any last words you want to say anything else you want to add loka samasta sukhino bhavantu this is who we are you know i just want to remind people look you know we are peace loving people and i think um we just attended the gita utsav here and i think Hindus need to be reminded that, you know, loka samista sukhino bhavantu does not mean that you get trampled under people's feet. I think that, that, you know, we're so focused on our positive messages, but we forget that, that Hindus have survived for a thousand years. I keep hearing people say that Hindus have survived all this and we'll go on and on. Pandit Rupnath was saying, oh, Hindus have survived thousand years. It's not threatened. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it, it, that's not. Hindus have survived because people have fought. People have fought. And, 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 and they, have, they have given their lives. So we have, I mean, nobody's saying fight to give your life. But the point is this idea that this, you know, oh, we'll survive is not enough. We need to stand up for dharma. You know, protect dharma, speak up for dharma, right? So we need we need that seva and that that willingness to serve dharma as well. So, of course, you know, meditate. Everybody should meditate and and do their their spiritual you know sadhana. Uh, definitely, with that, we will have more strength. 
to do our work for dharma. I think this it's a two-way street. I think it's very important for all the Hindus to be connected to the dharma, uh, not you know to read read and to practice you know adhoya your sadhana, your pranayam, your meditations, and that's the true essence of our our tradition. I wanted to plug that in. Is also learn learn to meditate. It's very important. Okay, namaste, and join Kohi in our efforts. Thank you very much. Prashant, All right, guys. So, so before we wrap it up, once again, I'm going to leave a few comments. I normally don't do it, but uh, today I'm going to do it. So, here's the thing. Uh, I personally have actually had disagreements with the usage of many terms. Many, many times I've said things that you know, why do we need to use term X or term Y or term Z? But uh, I still at the end of the day, try to support this cause. And uh, I try to support uh, different initiatives taken by the Hindu community all the time for the simple reason, because while we may argue on the terminology, I think what matters the most is, um, how do I say this? What's happening on the ground? The reality doesn't change no matter what you say. And uh, there are many organizations that are doing good work on this, whether it's the Hindu American Foundation, whether it's the Coalition of Hindus of North America, whether it's the organization that uh, Raginiji is working on. And you, know, you, can, uh, you can contact her and get more information about it too. Why I do this is, is because at the end of the day, I still believe, and I these are my views, these are not Raginiji's views, that I'm a political Hindu first and everything else later. And my political Hinduism teaches me to not spend my time on the narcissism of small differences, as Sigmund Freud would like to call it, where I, I quabble about a thing here or a thing there. But I look at the larger picture. And I do, when I look at the larger picture, I don't care if I agree with the term Hinduphobia or not, I'll still work with it. I don't care if I term uh, I, I I agree with the defense of uh, caste at times within the diaspora. I don't, <laughs> and I'm never going to hide from that. But that doesn't change the fact that the Swami Narayan Mandir was attacked. That doesn't change the fact that, uh, um, as they say, the political system in these Western countries are very very. In a, in a very weird way, designed to be anti-Hindu. They don't understand us. Now, the problem is two-way. We have not educated them. Secondly, that ones who, who speak, many of them don't understand the language of discourse. Now, it's good that Ragini Ji does. Uh, she mentioned Rajiv Malhotra, he does. And there are many others, you know, members of the Hindu American Foundation, members of Kona. They understand the language of discourse. And the language of discourse is how to speak with the person when you're living in that land. Like in India, right? Maybe those people understand your language. But when you are living in Canada, you don't expect them to understand your language. You have to explain it to them in their language. And shouting and screaming and doing all kinds of weird things are not going to help the community at all. Also, if you feel that you want to help these causes. It's very important for you as Hindus. Like I was shocked when Raginiji was sharing many stories to me offline. Obviously, we can't cover everything. But you know, when it comes to things like Hindu Heritage Month in Canada, even the Hindu teachers do not like take any notice of it. They themselves are not active. 
I'll give you another example. The BAPS attack happened, right? Okay, Justin Trudeau didn't say anything. Jagmeet didn't say anything. You know who did not say anything? Anita Anand did not say anything. You know who Anita Anand is? She's the defense minister in Canada. She is a Hindu. She didn't say anything. Now, if your own defense minister of your own country, where you're living, who happens to be a Hindu, doesn't say anything, you need to ask yourself the question that what is wrong with the community internally? The community has a deep tamas, tamasic mindset. And it's the result of, I don't know, whatever. Look, it's good that the Hindu community invested in, uh, you know, math and science and they actually got educated and they made a lot of money. But you have to have a larger understanding of the cause. And I don't know what to do. But what I'll say is, once again, I'll leave you guys with this thought. Think about the larger, larger issue. Go and follow Raginiji on social media. I've left her Twitter handle in the description of the podcast. You can go and connect with her. She can guide you if you're a Canadian Hindu. You know, she can guide you about what's happening in Canada. You can also contact many other organizations, but I would encourage you to follow her. She's academic. She's an academic. She's got a PhD. She's written a lot of interesting material on the on these subjects, and you should go and follow her. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to go on doing what I do, which is talk about issues, raise valid concerns, and these are valid concerns. Hindu hatred is real, I and I completely recognize that. I, I may disagree on the degree or what, but it doesn't matter. You should talk about it. If you can talk about Islamophobia, you can talk about Hinduphobia, and I'm going to talk about it. So once again, thank you to everybody for watching this today. Support the Charvak podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. Leave your comments over there. Become a member on YouTube or on Patreon or buy the merch. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, namaste. Take care. Bye-bye.